Welcome to Energy and Personal Excellence, the philosophical exploration arm of the program has many components and many aspects to it. Today's contemplative uh, talk uh, is meant for reflection and for dialogue and discussion. This is Sachin Karnik. I want to go over with you today some ideas regarding language. Language is very much familiar to us. We use language every day. I am also speaking in the English language right now. There are hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands of languages and dialects all throughout the world. Uh, it is quite remarkable to see and perceive the diversity of the multitude of languages that have sprung up in human civilization. If we were to examine the nature of language, we find that all language is a mental representation of phenomena that are observed through the senses. And this phenomenon is the external world. So through our five senses, we get various impressions, various sensations, and then words, which are sounds, they are associated with the objects outside. The same thing is true with our internal mental phenomena. So for example, if we use the word love, love as such may not really be a physical object, but it is an emotional state. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's, an, it's a subtle phenomena. So it can be considered to be a subtle object again the word object in quotations it's not a physical object it's a subtle object or subtle existence that we are naming and we're calling it love in the hindi language the word is prem you know and other languages will have other words for the same thing um, the actual phenomena phenomena meaning that the existence of that, the, the substance of it, of that, of what we are calling love, is directly experiential. When we give language to it, we are doing so in an attempt to communicate what that is with someone else. I mean, that's how all language uh, evolves and develops. So let's start with the physical objects outside. Take a pencil, for example. We were told by somebody when we were little that this object is called a pencil. So that, that form of, the, of, of that pencil uh, and the, the name, the pencil, is programmed in our mind. So the name and the form are always together with all external objects. You can take anything this way. Take rice, take bread, take uh, stones, take any, any word that is in the external object. It has a name and a form. And even if it doesn't seem to have a form like air, there is, you know, there is the name of it and then there is the, the experience of it through, through our senses, you know, through our hands and through our breathing, that it's there, there's an existence to it. So... The same thing is true internally with internal 
phenomena or internal objects that we are able to perceive. Just as we perceive a stone or a mountain or a tree on the outside, our entire mental structure with all of the content within it is considered also to be an object of experience. It is in our experience. So, for example, if I say I feel sad or if I feel happy, the emotional changes that are occurring are an experience that I am having, meaning I'm observing the experience. I am in, a, I am, uh, in contact with that experience. So that experience is um, an occurrence that is occurring, uh, that is happening, and is observed by the observer, by the experiencer, by the one who is experiencing the experience. Um, but you can see how the mind is very much uh, not clear about this. The mind is something that we identify with, that that's who we are. We generally feel that the processes of the mind, which are thought, emotion, memory, desire, and energy, these five, and energy is the core energy, of course. So we consider that the flow of phenomenon within this mental and emotional structure, cognition, emotion, memory, the flow of of the phenomena, the flow of the content that is occurring within that is me. And from a psychological standpoint, that would seem to be quite accurate uh, because the field of psychology and the psychologists that have gone into this in depth they talk about the psychological self, the me, and we have that. That's our personality, our identity. Um, but going back to what we talked about, which is the, the way language develops, the, what is language? We have thoughts within ourselves that manifest as self-talk, and that's all part of the psychological me. So what we tell ourselves, what we think about ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, all such things uh, impact our internal state of living. It's the life of the mind. It's very interesting. This is a very powerful expression that is mentioned in the field of philosophy and psychology, <clears throat> the life of the mind. So there's life of the mind and there's life within the mind and perhaps life transcendent to the mind. So life of the mind would be indicative that mental processes are enlivened, that they are uh, functioning as if they're alive, just as our body functions as if it is alive. Is it actually alive? Or is there an enlivening life force that is making it alive? Or is it just the set of biochemical reactions that we call life? These are the big questions in philosophy. In uh, these are questions that are that have been contemplated over for thousands of years. We can certainly go into that, and we will. Nonetheless, our experience of life is not just a verbal construct. It is direct. Uh, whatever the experience may be, it is direct. And generally, the word experience refers to external phenomenon that we're perceiving. But our own internal state of being is also a type of 
inner experience. So let's use a religious word like faith. You know, people say that they have faith in God, let's say. Uh, so is faith an experience within the mind? Or is it a dimension of turning the mind over? Or is it the, is it the actual mind that is being turned over to the higher reality? What is the difference? What do you say? You know, is faith an activity of thought and emotion? If that's the case, then it's a psychological phenomenon. But if that's not the case, or if that's only the beginning, but something different happens that is not part of the psychological mind, then what is it that's happening? So we could say that that occurrence that is spiritual or like a spiritual connection or a divine connection or grace, call it what you will, all such things are not within the purview of language. If they are within the purview of language, it would necessarily have to be a mental phenomenon. This is my opinion. If you disagree with it, I'd love to hear from you. But if you feel that mental phenomenon or mental process itself is um, sufficient, that there's nothing more than that, then my contention would be that mental phenomenon or process is uh, having its own boundary. Uh, and it is very difficult, well, that's, that's, not, that's not even accurate, let's put it this way, to transcend the boundaries of the mind it may not be possible to do so using the mind. You know, so maybe the word faith is where this comes into play, where the mind and its activities are completely left aside and something different occurs inside faith. So is faith a type of perception? Is it a latching on? Is it a relationship? But even if we use the word relationship, we're talking about a mental process. So those who say that I have a relationship with God, is that just a mental phenomenon where the idea of God is created by the mind and then the mind itself worships the idea that it itself has created? Is that what's going on? What do you say? What do you think? Or is it not that? If it's not that, then what is it? You know, if, if, if there is faith in God, which is something transcendent, something beyond, you know, meaning the reality of God would be something beyond. If that's the case, then is, is that faith an activity of thought? Or does the activity of thought and emotion through different spiritual or religious practices lead to what is known as faith? That is a, a dimension that, is, that opens, which is not within the framework of the mind itself, which is not within the framework of the mind at all. It may, it may touch the framework of the mind, or it may, it may enter into that somehow, or it may connect to it somehow, but it is something beyond it. Is that possible? So this is part of the exploration and part of the further ongoing uh, dialogue. The whole purpose of dialogue in philosophy and in psychological uh, introspective exploration is to keep the question open.
And if conclusions are made, then they're made. But further exploration uh, should not stop. And that's just one of those kinds of things that I'm just stating based on my own beliefs, that continual exploration will unravel further and further truth. Conclusions are good. If, and that's another way to proceed. If there are various conclusions that a person comes to, and then from those conclusions, a, per, a person develops. So an example of that would be something like, you know, our, the field of architecture. Uh, that is, uh, you know, based on various mathematical principles and physics principles. Those, those are conclusions that are accepted. And then on that basis, a building can be built. So there is role for conclusion uh, in life. In, in the physical world, that is definitely the case. I'm wondering if that's the case also in the in spiritual and religious development. So if there is a place for conclusion, then it would be something like this, that certain types of conclusions uh, on the faith side, religious side, uh, on the more esoteric, mystical side, whatever it might be, meditative side, those conclusions may provide a foundation for further growth and development based on the the conclusion. Now, how a person comes to the conclusion is a different matter. So maybe intellect and emotion and thoughts, other things would be used to come to a conclusion. But once conclusions are there, so for example, um, an, an, an individual comes to a conclusion mentally that, yes, God exists. That is a That is a belief that occurs. All right. So then on that basis, then other things are done further, other types of worship, other types of connection, a personal relationship, so many things like that. One could say that all such processes are just mental delusions, as some people have said, like Richard Dawkins and others, you know, the God delusion and others. So that's a viewpoint also. Uh, but I guess this is a matter of really personal exploration. So in the program of Energy and Personal Excellence, our goal is to explore these truths together. I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm going to share my viewpoint. I'm encouraging each individual to really carefully, objectively, uh, uh, with open-mindedness, examine these questions and the examination, the reflection on this, which is a mental process, is what philosophy is about to a large extent. Philosophy means love of wisdom. You know, so we want wisdom. Why should we want wisdom anyway? Wisdom is uh, that that which will bring us greater awareness, greater understanding, gl- greater clarity of the nature of things. Uh, then, what, well, why do we want that? Well, if we have that, then we have greater freedom internally and externally. We are uh, in a in a clearer state of mind. We, we see things more clearly as they are, and. Uh, well, what's the benefit of that? Well, if in, if we can see things more clearly and if we can perceive things in a way that is more in accordance with what is actually there, reality itself, then then that will enhance our mental power, our enhance our inner realization. You know, from my perspective, I think this is all a matter of ultimately internal unfoldment and greater and greater inward realization, whether it is on the scientific side or the religious side or meditation side, whatever one may go into, even things like 
you know, uh, addictions and, and other kinds of activities that are considered to be harmful, they're all internal experiences. They're all personal experiences. Uh, and can they all lead to a greater truth and realization? So, I'm, uh, so I leave you with that question. We shall continue further. Thank you.